This is the Reset MD podcast. We welcome you to join in on our conversations with fellow physicians. Many of us in medicine reach a point in our careers where we want to make a change, hit a reset button. Wouldn't it be nice to have some guidance from colleagues who'd been there too and have pearls of wisdom to share? These well-being conversations will cover a range of topics, thriving in medicine, physician health, burnout prevention, work-life integration, practice optimization, advocacy, and support. And we'll just have some fun doing it. Listen in and start your reset. Hi, welcome to the Reset MD podcast. I'm Dr. Marian McCrary, one of the co-creators of the podcast. And today I'm having a well-being conversation with Dr. Seema Pindarkar. We found each other through a mutual uh, friend who's gonna be here on the podcast soon and found out that we both trained in North Carolina. But this is the first time we're getting a chance to have a conversation. So I welcome you to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. And I usually start by letting our guests introduce themselves so you can highlight what you'd like the listeners to know about you. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me today. So when I um, introduce myself, typically, um, you know, I'm an internist. I'm a hospital medicine physician and I've been practicing um, for about nine years now. And I trained at Duke um, and did a residency in both internal medicine pediatrics. And overall, I just say, um, you know, I'm somebody that's very um, committed and invested in healthcare and wellness and have had a lot of different experiences in my life and really like to highlight those and share those with people um, to kind of help elevate their health and wellness. So it's great to be here. Thanks again for having me. You're welcome. And that's exactly what we're interested in having our guests talk about is, you know, what's worked for them, what ways they've created you know, their path in medicine and, and what sustained them in that. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and, you know, what have been your pivots along the way to get to where you are today in your career and your life? Sure. Yeah. So um, I would just say that, you know, I think from an early age, I've always known that I loved helping people. And so I think that the opportunity of attending medical school and residency really just connected me to that side of myself in terms of being a caretaker, um, learning about the body, learning about um, disease, different diseases um, and conditions and learning how to treat them. And um, it was um, a real passion of mine. And um, however, I'd say early on in residency, I sort of um, was able to see firsthand through some experiences how um, this intensive caregiving role of you know, doing 30 hour shifts and working really hard can really take a toll on um, a practitioner's own wellness. And so I think that um, I had some tragic experiences that opened my eyes to that, but I think that um, sort of, as most of us probably realize, um, a lot of things are really like a blessing in disguise, you know? And so seeing um, these these tough situations early on, um, again, it really allowed me to think about, again, um, what could I do uh, to, to keep my passion for clinical medicine and to stay committed to that? Um, and then also, what could I do for the healthcare system itself to design healthcare systems where 
we weren't going to be burning out our physicians and putting them in harsh circumstances. Yeah, because that, you know, we are, we are in this to be caretakers and we have to realize that the first uh, rule of that is you have to take care of yourself to be able to kind of continue to do that, particularly when this is a passion for you. And, and you talked about kind of the, the bigger healthcare team, the bigger healthcare institution and its role in that. What have you, what have you explored and what have you have seen that works yeah, so I mean, I think early on, one of the things that I realized was that by being a part of the change, sort of being by being a change agent, so to speak, I think that really allowed me to um, sort of renew my passion um, for the clinical piece too. Um, for example, my first job as an academic hospitalist was at um, San Francisco General Hospital. I was on the faculty at UCSF, so I was really fortunate in that sense because Dr. Um, Bob Wachter is really um, a national leader in um, a lot of sort of quality improvement and healthcare innovations types of ideas. So I feel like I had um, really strong mentorship being in that UCSF community, but um, you know, I was thrown into um, a community hospital um, serving sort of um, what I describe as marginalized um, homeless populations. And so um, I think right away, I kind of recognized some things in the system um, that I thought could be improved on. And so um, I had the fortune of attending residency at Duke University Medical Center and Dr. Suzanne Woods um, was my program director. And so there, there really was a culture of promoting quality improvement, patient safety, and they did a really excellent job of um, teaching residents really how to spearhead those types of efforts. So I would say that actually really um, sort of saved me in a lot of ways. Like when I went into these systems where things um, seemed chaotic rather than focusing on, you know, the chaos and the difficulty, I was able to sort of um, connect with other people to figure out, well, what could we do, do to improve this? And I think that anything in life, um, no matter whether you're in healthcare or another field, if you can really anchor into, you know, focusing on the positives, that sounds sort of like a cliche, but I just think that it's, it's really true. Yeah, I agree with you. I think seeing the possibilities um, and not not focusing just on as that, that chaotic situation and what can we learn out of that and what we can what can we take from that? And I love that idea of, of you know being a change agent. For me, when I first kind of heard that term, I was like, ooh, I don't like change. This is this is scary because I was kind of in a comfort zone. And, but I really have learned to kind of embrace that and again, see that as opportunities to really make a difference for myself and for others around me. And I think a lot of institutions marry quality improvement and wellness for physicians and wellness for staff because they do align together. If you're a physician who's not in a good place, it's hard to do your job well. It's hard to get those outcomes that we want for our patients. And so I, I see those two being hand in hand in many places. Right. And, um, you know, I had the opportunity to take, um, it was some sort of, I think, a physician wellness uh, seminar for physician leaders through Stanford, um, led by Tate, Dr. Tate Shanafel. And so he actually published an article to that effect where um, the whole article focuses on the importance of quality improvement and wellness. So I was um, really happy to see that because it had been something I had been practicing almost by, you know, um, stroke of luck or fate or whatever it was that led me to that. But 
it was really reassuring to see that, you know, a lot of other people have that same mindset as well. So. Yeah, we, we don't always talk about this when we feel that we're not in a well space. It's, we feel like it's only ourselves. And then you start to learn that many other physicians are having these same conversations with themselves. It, it really opens it up for it to be okay to talk about it. Okay. To, to actually start to kind of move away from that. Right. It's really interesting. I love that you, I've heard great things about the, that course, those opportunities. Um, would you, what would you say to others who say, oh, maybe that might be something I'm interested in is actually doing some kind of formal course to learn how to do this for myself, but also help others? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would encourage that. I think that along with, I think one of the aspects of a quality improvement project is um, really connecting with other disciplines. And so anytime you do a course like that, uh, for example, the course I did, we, um, it, you know, it was right in the middle of the pandemic. So we did um, a Zoom connection with um, physicians across the country. And so just hearing other people's experiences um, really just makes you, gives you that level of connection. Because I do think a lot of times, especially as a physician leader, especially as a frontline clinician provider, it is easy to sort of um, isolate yourself and go into that sort of insulated insular zone. And, you know, I've been guilty of that in the past where I'm like, just, I just want to put my head down and get through this. But I think oftentimes that can actually be, um, it can really be a little damaging and it can dig people deeper into that hole of burnout. And so I think connecting with your colleagues and hearing their experiences and sharing and, um, you know, exchanging ideas, I think oftentimes can really help. Yeah. And you, you mentioned you were on the East Coast, went to the West Coast. I know you're back on the East Coast now. What, ha what has been kind of the um, resets for you along the way from that initial uh, job opportunity uh, till now? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, again, um, it's always nice to approach every new experience with, um, with open eyes because you just never know um, what it's sort of going to hand you. And I had always been really interested and passionate about um, global health, and I had thought I would go abroad. And I think that's still in, in the realm of possibilities. But being in the Bay Area and seeing all the really interesting work that um, Bob Wachter and other people like him were doing, um, my eyes are really opened actually um, to digital health innovations and I'm very much involved in um, sort of the HIT um, digital health innovation space. I have my own um, you know, startup company. And so again, I think that um, that's not really ever something that I had pre-mapped out or pre-planned, but it was just something that sort of I fell into um, and it really aligned well with quality improvement. And so um, in terms of things that reset me, I think Anytime you're like learning something new, you're around people that are opening your eyes to something different. I think it's, it can be exciting. And again, I think physicians do tend to be people that are um, really plugged into that whole um, lifelong learner um, concept. So, um, so yeah. Exactly. I, I think that opportunity to learn something new and then apply it back to, to other things that you do is just like, oh, that's so fun. I, I want to do more of that. Right, right. And the other, I guess the other layer that I didn't mention is again, I think um, being in healthcare and having the opportunity to constantly be around medical students, residents, learners, it's like they have that more bright eyed perspective. And, you know, I think that I'd say probably almost every week I'm connecting with 
residents from my past, they're reaching out to me asking for letters or advice. And so I think that role of uh, mentorship is it's so important in medicine. And I think it's equally as important for the actual mentor as it is for the mentee, because, you know, imparting, you know, people, future leaders with information and helping them um, make a pathway for themselves. Uh, I, I just think it's very uh, rewarding and fun. Yeah, it's so essential in, in how we teach each other and how we learn in our career in medicine and, and to continue to do that is fulfilling for both people. I agree. Definitely. And, and you've mentioned several things kind of along the way that seem to really be encouraging for you that are helpful for you, that help you kind of thrive in what you are doing now. What are other ways that you support wellness for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think for myself personally, it's definitely been um, a learning process. And um, like I said, you know, unfortunately, I did have um, more than seven of my personal um, physician colleagues and even a family member die by suicide. And I've done a lot of research um, around that particular um, tragedy um, to try to serve as an advocate. But um, again, I think it really, really opened my eyes to an issue that I was not aware existed in the profession. And so in that sense, it's allowed me to, um, you know, to dig deeper and to really um, commit myself to doing certain things that help me. And um, when I was at Duke in residency, they had a, um, I can't remember, I think it's called like a mindfulness institute that they have there. Um, and so I actually took some classes there. And so I've tried to incorporate things like uh, meditation, working out, mindfulness, all those kinds of things um, into my routine, you know, and I have a dog who I joke around that she's my personal therapy dog. <laughs> and, um, you know, just I think incorporating all those things that we hear about that are so important that sometimes it could seem like, like fluff, but I think it really makes a big difference. Yeah, we've talked about those concepts as kind of going back to the basics where we, again, think that they're just, they're extras or, or, hey, that won't work for me. But when folks do them often, they find that they're really sustaining and it's something that they want to continue. Right. And you mentioned working with um, residents, with medical students and your roles and academics and also in your training. And we always talk about, you know, we want to give our learners pearls of wisdom or things about different clinical uh, scenarios. But what we would love to do is give our listeners here pearls um, for wellness. And you've, again, mentioned a lot of those. But if you, if you had to have your top three kind of takeaways for our listeners, how would you, how would you set that up for them? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think that wellness is something... Um, it can be really personalized, but I feel like also at the same time, it's almost like the concept of a daily routine, you know, like when you wake up, you do certain things, you uh, brush your teeth, you take a shower, you work out. And so I think for me, um, I've really tried to um, kind of um, hardwire those things into my routine. Like when I first um, wake up in the morning, I have like um, some different podcasts guided meditation things that I'll do, even if it's just for five minutes. Um, I think it makes a big difference focusing on, you know, positive thoughts. I have a gratitude journal, for example, that I keep. Um, and every day I try to write down, you know, five to 10 things that <clears throat> I'm really grateful for. Um, and I try to do that in the morning with my meditation. 
Um, and for me, um, working out is a big one. I'm somebody that really is connected to movement and I think everybody is naturally. Um, but so um, I, I will try to do at least, you know, a 30 or 40 minute workout every day, I think, which makes a really big difference. Um, and then, you know, um, the, I'd say the last thing, so the meditation, working out, the gratitude journal, um, and then another thing that I've um, sort of recently been a little more committed to, I'd say, would be, um, you know, committing to a more vegan lifestyle because it's really in line with sort of my ethical values. And I do think that eating um, plant-based for me personally has made um, a huge difference in how I feel. Um, I think that you can tell the difference um, when um, you're eating fruits and vegetables. I remember actually in... Um, medical school when I wasn't as aware of all these things. I was eating more processed foods, more dairy, and my stress levels were extremely high. And um, actually at the time I had to go on Accutane because I had such severe acne and that sort of thing. So um, I think it's really interesting that as you start kind of like really um, committing to your wellness routine, um, you'll notice physiologic changes um, in your body, in your appearance and how you feel all those kinds of things. So I really do think it's it's definitely pretty um, astonishing and interesting once you get into it. Yeah, the more and more I learn about lifestyle medicine, which those things that you talked about are just some of the main tenets of that and and how we spend our days, how we create our routines mm-hmm. and, and talking about the you know, how do you calm that sympathetic drive that we're, we're in when we're, you know, in a, the craziness or the chaos, as you said earlier of our day sometimes, and how to bring that back down. Because we all know we want to kind of live at that parasympathetic for uh, most of our day. Uh, just It just feels better. And working with the things that, you know, calm inflammation for your body and just, and just settle that, you know, they're so key. And they're just, not necessarily the culture maybe that we grew up in or the things that we, you know, started to do when we were training and we needed kind of strategies to get through the day. Now we really get to come back and decide how do we want to spend our days? How do we want to set these routines that set us up? And you've seen both the physical and and emotional, I would say, you know, benefits of that from, from those activities. So thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Sure. Yeah. And I guess I would just also emphasize again, you know, the importance of really hardwiring that into your routine. Cause I do think that unfortunately, as much as I love being a healthcare provider, I think that some of just the daily routines that we have for our doctors, for our residents, it's not, it's, it's ironic, you know, cause it's not really compatible with health and wellness per se, you know? And so um, the, the concept of waking up at five rounding on 30 or 40 patients and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, that's the other component I'll just mention briefly in terms of um, things that I've actively done is um, I've taken on roles of leadership, which um, isn't always easy, but just to sort of really, I think it is important to have physician leaders who are willing to really be honest with um, administrative um, types who may not really have a deep understanding, but it's important for them to explain you know, the toll that it can take for, for example, as a hospitalist, I had to, in certain roles, really emphasize to CEOs, to finance types that, you know, hey, it's not okay for the doctors in my group to be rounding on 25 patients every day, you know, those types of things. So I guess that's more on the advocacy side um, of things. 
So yeah, yeah, the true advocacy for ourselves and 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 what's right for us as well as again going back to that what's going to provide quality care for for the patients. Right. And you mentioned earlier if I could go back just a second about the you know the impact that physician suicide has had in your circle of of individuals that you know and love and how that's helped you make changes in your life and do things differently. What are ways, if that's something that is affecting a listener or they're interested in learning more about how to be an advocate um, to prevent physician suicide, what would be ways that they could start into that topic and, and learn more about it and possibly again, become that advocate for their colleagues? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think that there's a lot of different pathways to advocacy. And I'd say in my own personal pathway, one of the most important pathways actually was the American College of Physicians. I remember um, as a newly graduated from residency physician that had just moved to the Bay Area, I got involved with my local ACP chapter. I got to meet Dr. Molly Cook, who was in the past the president of ACP overall, um, really um, in line with advocacy. And so I got to go to DC with some of these types and uh, meet different um, people in Congress. And so I think that that's, it is very um, powerful and uh, a really uh, transformative experience to realize that, um, you know, really that our actions can really make a large, uh, broader impact. And um, if we connect and communicate with the right folks, there's chances to influence policy to get in front of Congress and policymakers. And, um, you know, I think that's really where the hard work is. Um, I think that things like meditating and working out, um, those are, it's a great foundation that I think everybody should have. But I do think that the real hard work actually is in a lot of these things that people can't see all the time, right? Like having these tough meetings with um, hospital CEOs to let them know um, what the physicians are really going through, um, connecting um, and creating opportunities for policy. And again, I think that's where networking really comes in handy mm -hmm. and meeting people that can um, set you on that pathway and mentorship is so, so important there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the large societies, we're both members of the ACP and that's how we've connected, um, do such a great job of that. And there's so many resources. And as we're recording this, you know, there's, there's laws before Congress with the Lorna Brain Foundation and, and mm -hmm. all the things that um, are coming out of experiences of physicians and tragedies of physician life being uh, lost to suicide. And so I think we're, we're just at the forefront of this and continuing to be to learn how to advocate for this and continue to support physicians to, to lower that risk. It's, it's such an astonishing number um, of physicians who um, complete suicide. And so I, I thank you for the work that you do and talking about it here with us today. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I guess um, for anybody listening to this, I would just really encourage them that, you know, everybody has a very um, special and unique story and pathway. And I think it's really important for people to share their unique perspective and whether that's through ACP, whether it's through social media, there's so many different channels these days and um, one small action that you make might have a really um, important impact on somebody and you, you just never know. So 
Um, thank you again for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening in on this conversation at Reset MD. If you'd like to reach out to us and continue the conversation for well-being, email us at resetmdpodcast at gmail.com.